Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, March 13th, and we're here for another pod in which we'll primarily be recapping Indian Wells matches. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today, but with me is not trusty Alex Gruskin. We gave him a night off. Instead, it's Matt Stokowiak. How are you, Matt? Jamie, what's going on, man? I feel like uh, it's been a little while since we've been on a pod together. So looking forward to it. And honestly, it's like it's the unsupervised action now, right? Because we've always had Gruskin or Rothman with us, but now it's just you and me. That's right. I I love it, man. I love it, too. All right. Well, let's dive into it, because since we got to take advantage of the fact that we don't have Gruskin, right? So we got to make this short and sweet, because if he were on this, it would be at least double the time. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, well, let's start running through it. So today, crazy match uh, down in Palm Springs. Let me tell you, a lot of upsets on both sides. We're going to start with the men's action for you. First, just running through the scores. We got Kyle Edmund taking out Albot 3-3. and Hachinov takes out Rublev in the all-Russian affair 5-3. and So, Matt, what were your thoughts on this match? Did you get to see any of this one? I did get to see some of this match. And, you know, obviously, both these guys are huge hitters. They were just ripping ground strokes um, it seemed like it was a battle of who could hit the ball harder. Hatchinoff was just a little bit better. I feel like, you know, his form has been a little bit iffy lately. The past couple tournaments, he struggled. Yeah. He did, he's had some early exits. Um, and of course, Rublev is coming off injury. He's not back to 100% yet either. But uh, this is a matchup that we're going to see for a while. Two young guys, two Russians that I'm I'm really high on. I like both of their games. I think there's a lot of upside and you know, Hatchinov was able to get this one, but we'll see this matchup, you know, quite a bit more in the future. Yeah, I think so. And that's, and that's awesome too. They're coming through the ranks together. They're going to be able to push each other as their careers advance. Um, you know, this, this sort of thing always makes me wonder. So we see these two from Russia, we see Shapovalov and, uh, FAA from Canada long term here. I know we're, we're not exactly comparing the exact same thing, but if you had to guess right now throughout their careers, which is going to be the better better rivalry, the one you're going to want to watch more, Shapovalov and FAA or Kachanov and Rublev? That's a great question. I mean, that's a tough question because all four of these guys, I'm just, I'm so much looking forward to watching them play throughout their careers. If I had to pick one though, as of right now, I'd probably get just a little bit more excited for Shapovalov and FAA. And, yeah. and I don't know why, Exactly. It's just Felix to me is just such a polarizing player. Every time he's on, I just I have to watch him because I don't know what he's going to do next. I mean, he's so talented. So is Dennis, you know, great friends, young guys, both these matchups, like you said, we're going to be watching a lot of them. But there's something about that Shapovalov FAA matchup that That's true. You know, I, I just I'm, I'm tuning into that every single time. No doubt. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I don't know if I can put my thumb on it either, but my answer is the same. You know, I'm going to be following the Canada matchup, and they're they're both just such explosive players from the, from the baseline, and it's so fun to watch. And that's not to say that Hatchinov and Rublev aren't, because exactly. as we just talked about, they hit the crap out of the ball too. Um, it's just, I don't know, there's just, there's always an edge in that Canada one, and so it's going to be fun. Both of them are going to be fun, but figured I'd throw that one in, try and get you to get a real answer. If it was Gruskin, he wouldn't have even given me an answer. You know, he would have said something and we'd be off talking about, you know, NCAA right now. I don't even Tangent number one already. I know, right? Exactly. Well, keeping it short and sweet, as I promised, uh, moving back down the line, John Isner taking out Pella three and four, kind of another routine win for John. 
Yeah, John has been looking fantastic in this tournament so far. I do feel like he's had the benefit of a pretty good draw. He took out Alexi Popperin in the in the first round, or second round, rather, um, and then now Guido Pella in the third round. You know, two guys that we would expect Isner to beat on a good day, but the, the manner in which he's just kind of rolled through those guys is, you know, I've taken note of that. And Isner, you know, last year, remember, he won Miami. I think these courts... He really likes these, you know, these courts and this surface and look out. I mean, we know how big of a threat John is when he's serving well and playing well. So, you know, with all the upsets that we've seen, Isner, I think if he keeps his form is a threat uh, to go extremely deep in this tournament. For sure. You know, you see Isner, you know, on a surface like this, it's interesting because one of the things that gets talked about is like, oh, it's so slow and gritty. But for someone like Isner, this is this is awesome sometimes because a on the serve, his serve is so big that look, you can be on any surface and tons of these just aren't coming back. They're just not second because it's so slow and the ball sits up. It gives him a little bit more time to get around it. And going back to the serve, if he hits a big kicker, I mean, these courts are just grabbing that and tossing it in the air. Um, it's looked so far as he's been having a field day out there. And you know, the fact that he's not having matches that are, you know, seven, six, six, seven, seven, six, kind of tells you that he's on to something here. So we'll see if his draw gets a little tougher. We'll see if he's able to start to keep cruising. Um, but, you know, always rooting for the American. Yep, 100%. Um, I agree I agree with all those takes. And really, um, you know, the one where you mentioned the, the ball bouncing up higher since it is a really gritty surface, I think John loves that. And that's why occasionally we'll see him have success on clay as well because he doesn't move quite as good. And so the slower courts gives him a little bit more time and that ball, you know, bounces up high. He loves it. So, yep, yeah, good point, up high into that, into that seven-foot-tall strike zone, you know. For sure. Helps him out a little bit. But, you know, speaking of comfortable wins, uh, moving down the draw, Nadal against Schwartzman. That's a 3 and one win for Nadal. That is about as routine as it comes. You know, it is. And we know how tough Diego Schwartzman is, too. I mean, this is a Absolutely. guy that makes you work for every single point. But really, I watched this entire match, and, and Rafa just... He was by far the more aggressive player. He was really using his serve and first ball after that. The serve plus one combination was phenomenal. He didn't allow Schwartzman, you know, really any time. Rafa was just taking the court away from him. And, you know, it's just a matchup to me that Rafa just knows the matches yeah. on his racket. He feels comfortable out there because Schwartzman can't hurt him. Yep. No, I think you're right. And it's, it's awesome, too, to see Rafa... He's really buying into this new system of his, the, of just the aggress- aggressiveness off the serve, because he's talked about it, and you know he's been very open in conference, in uh, press conferences, and on court interviews, and everything. He's like, look, if I'm gonna last out here, you know, it's not 2008. I can't just sit out here and grind and grind and grind from the baseline anymore. My body won't hold up if I want to have some more longevity in my career. So, you know, Carlos Moya is having him, you know, really work on that serve as a weapon, not just spinning it into the backhand. Um, And it's paying dividends so far. So I, I, I do hope he keeps it up. Yep. A hundred percent agree with that. And really it's funny because Rafa can play aggressively. You know, we've always thought of him as a grinder, but his aggressive style game is actually really good. So absolutely. the, The fact that he's putting that to use now is, is great to see because he can win that way. There's no question that he can win that way. Yep. He's just got to be doing it. He's just got to get comfortable doing it against, you know, the big guys who he's used to beating just by grinding. Exactly. You know? um, but once he gets that down, watch out. 
But enough about comfortable wins. Um, we're going to the unexpected and the upsets of the day on the men's side. First one I want to talk about just because, I mean, it was shocking and it was just a phenomenal performance. Shapovalov against Chilich. Takes him out 4-2 and two and, uh, man, I mean, is, was that, was that scoreline, is that too competitive? I mean, no, just because Chilich is such a good player, but I, I know what you're getting at there, Jamie. And, and to be honest, this was about as complete of a performance from Shapovalov as, as you will see. His serving was outstanding. He wins 91% of his first serve points, 29 of 32. Um, he returned well. His ground stroke game was excellent. And, and Chilich is a player that, that makes you work as well. He's not one to just hand you a match. And Shapovalov just, just took it from him. He was the more aggressive player, was coming up with his flashy, you know, one-handed backhand passing shots and, you know, the Shapovalov specials that we, you know, we've come to love. And it was just a complete performance. And he's yeah. got the kind of talent to where if he puts it all together, he, he can beat, you know, the top 10 players in the world. And he showed it today. Uh, you're absolutely right. And the thing that's the, the reason I opened with that question for you is because when I was watching this match, the first half of the sets were really competitive. Um, you know, Shapovalov happened to get that break at 2 2 in both of the first and the second set. And then from there on, you know, it was all him. Right. So it was 2-2. Yep. Then he gets it, you know, keeps keeps a hold of that break, gets a 6-4. Then he does the same thing and doesn't lose another game in the second set. And, man, he just served so well. Not only did he serve well, but he backed up his serve so incredibly well. His one-two punches on both the forehand and backhand wing were incredible today. And quite honestly, usually it's Chilich, you know, who's trying to hit people off the court and take the racket out of their hands. There's not that much that Chilich could have done today, in my opinion. No, he just, he was not the better player. I mean, it was clear yeah. that today Denis Shapovalov deserved to win that match. He earned it. He was the better player. He played aggressively. And we know that he possesses the kind of power that can just hit guys off the court. And when he's on, he's on. He's going to beat pretty much anybody. You know, for yeah. him, I think moving forward, it's just how consistently can he put a performance like that together? Can he back it up tomorrow with another great performance like that? Yeah. Or is he going to fall off a little bit and start, you know, making more unforced errors? That's the only thing that I think is separating yeah. him right now from being a top 10 player. No, I think you're right. And and obviously with age, that that's going to come. And I mean, the, the talent is there. For the sure. athleticism is there. It's, it's all there. Uh, He's just got to keep it together. Yeah, but what he should not keep together is the rap career. I don't know if you've been seeing him lately. He got out there on the mic after his win today, and it was uh, it was tough to listen to. Yeah, about that. I mean, look, I will give him this, okay, Jamie. I mean, I don't know about you, man, but I I would not have the guts to go out there in front of all those people and actually rap in front of a stadium like that. I, I couldn't do it, regardless if I'm good or not. I'm not the type of guy that would want to put myself out there like that. So I will give Dennis credit for for putting on that performance. Now, am I going to want to listen to too much more of it? No, no, probably not. I, I think I'm good. I've heard enough of his rap uh, career. I don't think he's going to be signed to any record deals anytime soon. But, hey, for him to go out there like that and actually and actually do it with no fear, I give him props for that, don't you? 
Fair enough. Yeah. You, you know, the nerves not bothering him, you know, DJ Chapo, I guess we can call him, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not sold on that one. Let's say that. Uh, but enough of that. Um, moving on to another upset that we've got. Nisha Corey, an, an earlier exit than he would like, I assume, gets taken out by her catch. 4-6, 6-4, 6-3. And I don't know. This is, some, this is sort of just disappointing for Kay because a very winnable match takes the first set, and he's just not having a great season right now. It's just not – things aren't going that well for Kay. Yeah, they're not. And it's hard to pinpoint – you know, exactly what, what the issues may be. I mean, her catch is really one of those guys though. Uh, you know, one of those next gen guys that was kind of a forgotten man a little bit. Remember he played in the next gen finals in Milan. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of fans, you know, don't really know who this guy is yet. And he's definitely on the rise. He's a bigger guy. I think he's about six, five and he's got some ability. He just, you know, he's young and, and he put together a good match today. And like you mentioned, Kay is just not quite up to the level that we know he can play to. I mean, Kay is arguably, when he's on his game, a top five player. I mean, he's that good. He's as fast as anybody. His retrieval skills and return skills are as good as almost anybody in the game. And I can't remember what tournament it was, Jamie. Was it Dubai recently yeah, where they these Dubai. two actually matched up and her catch yeah. beat him there as well? Yeah, so maybe it's just a simple matchup thing, you know, because, I mean, that was another three-setter that her catch took. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's just as simple as that. Like, he's just figured out how to play him. But it seems like more than that. It just seems like Nishikori is not where he needs to be right now. So um, hope hope he finds it in the next couple of months here before the, the next majors pick up. But um, props to her catch. I mean, young guy on the rise. You love to see more of these next-gen uh, players have deep runs because that's really what it's all about. For sure. Yep, I agree. Lo um, love to see him making a run here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, time for another upset. Medvedev, someone who's been touted as a great next-gen guy, up-and-comer, gets taken out 3-2 and two by Krajinovic. Did you see any of this match? I did not see two. I maybe saw a few points of this match, but to me, I mean, this is a head-scratcher. Medvedev, on yeah. the other, you know, unlike Nishikori, has been in phenomenal form. Uh, you know, he won a title back in Sofia uh, last month in February. He's won a ton of matches so far this year. He's looked great. And, you know, Krajinovic was a qualifier. I just thought when I was looking at the draw, I thought this was a match that Medvedev had in the bag. I mean, I wasn't even thinking twice about it. But three and two, you know, I just I don't know what was going on there. But but Medvedev couldn't have been feeling all that great, I would imagine, but because, you know, when he's in form, I mean, the guy's top 15 in the world. He's taken out, you know, top 10 players before. So I don't know what happened here. I mean, um, it's just, for me, from what I saw, it just, it was just not a clean performance at all. You know, you look down the stats, any of them, serve, return, I mean, his serve, two aces, three double faults. I mean, that's just nothing special. First serve percentage, 60%. When 68% of first serve only wins nine out of 21 points on the second serve. You know, he just didn't give himself that many chances. Only had two break points the whole match. Didn't get either of them. It, it just wasn't a clean performance. And when he did get the smaller opportunities, he just wasn't able to convert on them. Yeah. I mean, that's just... It's not a match that we would typically see out of Daniil Medvedev. No. But, you know, credit to Krajinovic. He was a qualifier. He's putting together a great run here as well. I mean, to yeah. come through the qualifying and, you know, now he's into the round of 16. 
you know, good for him. He's a former top 30 player. He's been seated before at majors and things like that. So, you know, it's definitely a guy with some ability, but just on paper, when I was looking at this matchup, I thought for sure Medvedev uh, was going to take advantage of that opportunity. I did too. But speaking of a veteran of the tour, Mr. Kohlschreiber comes up with possibly the biggest upset of the day, taking out number one, Djokovic, four and four. I know we talked a little bit about, you know, pre-pod about this one, but what are your thoughts on this match? Yeah, this was this was definitely uh, you know, not a typical Novak Djokovic match. No. I don't know I don't know what happened to him, but there was at one point middle second set, he looked over at his camp and his camp, you know, put together some some kind of concoction a drink for him that they I always wondered out what to are the, in those things well, right I, like, and what, that's what, the thing. what do we have in I, I don't know like what it is it, it, some kind of potion some magic Djokovic potion or something like that but it didn't work uh you know he, no. he clearly wasn't feeling himself he looked off balance to me and Cole Schreiber came out with just a clear game plan I mean like you mentioned a veteran of the tour he's 35 years old he's been around for a long time I just I love how Philip Kohlschreiber approaches his tennis. He knows what his limitations are. He knows what he can do well, and he just plays within himself. He never seems to get too far out of his comfort zone, and his clear game plan bothered Novak. And in the first set, Novak was visibly frustrated. He he cracked a racket uh, after the first set. You know was was super super upset, and. You know, I don't know if it's that illness that's going around the grounds, obviously, mm-hmm. with Serena and, you know, a couple of other guys that have, you know, Zverev, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. with, with that illness. I don't know if he came down with that, possibly. He may or may not have, but clearly, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to make this match about Cole Schreiber, to be honest, it was really more about Djokovic not playing the way that we know he can play. And I think it yeah. was, I think it was due to some some physical limitations, not injury I think per right. se, but, but I yeah. think he just, he wasn't feeling right. You, you could tell no, there was something off, but and I mean, all hats off to Cole Schrauber here because the points that I saw, I mean, he did a phenomenal job of dictating play and anytime that you're able to run Djokovic around, not only just <laughs> make him uncomfortable, but actually be able to finish the point off. That's incredibly impressive. And the amount of times that Cole Schreiber was able to dictate with the backhand, which most of the time Djokovic is able to completely trounce people when he gets in a backhand-to-backhand rally. Cole Schreiber did not back down from that, um, and he did a phenomenal job, both on defense and offense with the backhand. I saw multiple passes, um, as well as just winners from off that one-two punch off the serve. Um, did a great job. But, like you said, Djokovic not in his best form. However, I will bring up that Djokovic went out and played doubles after this. He went out with Fognini. Played doubles and got himself a win, and so now that gives I mean, me that gives me a little bit of a pause because if that's he interesting, was, right? That's, that's interesting. If he was really sick, then would he have played that doubles match? That I know. that's interesting. That that is really odd because when I saw that, I I figured for sure that that was just going to be a walkover. But then I went and looked, and I was like, no, no, he went and played, and they won ten six in a in a ten point breaker. So wow, interesting thing to keep in mind. So yeah, maybe maybe just the potion kicked in a little late, or <laughs> there's something else. There's something else there. Yeah, it could be. But uh, you know, overall, you know, I'll leave this with just like you mentioned. Cole Schreiber, outstanding performance. He played very, very well. Clear game plan. He stuck to it, and and he performed at at a high level. 
And, you know, regardless if Novak was sick or not or, you know, hindered in some way, he went out and took the match. And that's hard to do regardless, you know, against the number one yeah. player in the world. So credit to Absolutely. him. And anybody that he sees in the draw should should be, uh, you know, on their toes because Philip Kohlschreiber is going to bring it in every single match that he plays. He may not win them all, but he's a tough out no matter what. You're absolutely right. Yeah, well, and moving into the last one. Listeners, as you know, we record these the night before, so unfortunately, especially since it's on that West Coast time, not all the matches have finished. Uh, Vavrinka and Fed are on right now. Uh, Federer's taking the first set 6-3, but we don't know how that one's going to pan out. Possibly Stan the Man comes back and wins the All-Swiss Affair, but who knows at this point? My money's probably on Federer, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Takes the first set. Absolutely. No way I'd bet against him at this point. Uh, well, very well. Well, all is there, so that's the men's side of the draw. But the upsets did not stop on the men's side. Uh, on the women's side, there were some incredible results that really, like you said earlier with the Medvedev match, head-scratchers. You know, we look at this one, for example, Osaka very recently just went down, wins only four games against Belinda Bencic. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a head-scratching result. I mean, Osaka's been in in really good form lately, but but so is Belinda Bencic. I mean, really, she's been playing well this entire year. Uh, so, you know, on the women's tour, it always seems to me like, you know, these matches have a way of just going either way sometimes. I mean, whereas the men are a little bit more clear-cut, you kind of have a better idea of who's going to win. And that's what makes the women's tour so interesting to me is just yeah. there's there's upsets all the time. And and that's what's exciting about it. But yeah, to only win four games with the form that she's been in for Osaka, I mean, I definitely didn't see that one coming. No, well, and I hate to give credit to Gruskin because ugh, he'll never let it go. But Benchich was his favorite for this tournament. And so his far, his pick is looking pretty good. Yeah. Really? You can go back and ask him. I believe so. I'm pretty sure. I'm, and if that's true, I'm sure he will not live it down. So wow. go ahead and text him if you like because that is good. Maybe it's a great thing that he didn't come on this pod <laughs> because that probably would have taken half an hour right there. Yeah, you're right, man. That's that's interesting. I'll, I'll have to hit him up about that one and, and double check that just to make sure. Yeah. If so, great call by him. He doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have many of them. Hey, hey, great shot, right? That's right. <laughs> Can we use that without him? <laughs> uh, but now in other news as well, the veteran Venus Williams gets another win as she takes out Bartel four and four. Uh, Svitolina takes out Ash Barty in a great match, seven six five seven six four. Um, you know that's not really that's not an upset per se, but the next one that I'm going to talk about. Here's an upset for you. Halep, who is going coachless at the moment, gets taken out 6-2, 3-6, by Vondrasova. What are your thoughts, both with Halep and generally, about the coachless approach on tour? Oh, man. I She needs Darren Cahill back. I mean, right? there, there's, That's what I'm saying. There's no question about it. I mean, Vondrasova, I really don't know too much about her. I think she's a young, like, 19-year-old, um, you know, young up-and-coming player. Phenomenal result for her, but for Halep, and again, this is, I, I bring up this point about the women's tour because occasionally we do see results like this. I feel like more so than on the men's side, but Halep was the number two seed. I mean, this is a tournament that she could potentially win, you know, has sure. to be one of the favorites coming into it, you know, definitely not the result she's looking for. And, and yeah, like you mentioned, Jamie, I mean, the coachless thing, I, I've never really been a big fan of that. 
you know, I think these players need coaches at least, you know, not to teach them the game. Obviously, they're professionals. They know how to play. But just little things, you know, within right. matches and game planning and just somebody there to talk to, that makes, exactly. a dif- that makes a difference. And, you know, without that, I just feel like whether – she's really thinking about it or not, subconsciously there's a void. There's just a hole that's missing there, whether she wants to admit it or not. That's just the fact of the matter. Right. And yeah, that results like this are going to happen. She's going to have to iron that out pretty soon. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's, it's tough too because, you know, there's always going to be transitions between coaches, right? But going, going longer period of time without a coach, I, I certainly can't advise it. You know, like you said, they're professionals and they know how to play, but there's always stuff to improve. And so if you're not putting your game in a certain direction, I mean, what are you doing? Right. So she's got to have somebody out there with her, even if it is Darren to come back out. I liked that pairing personally. I think they were great together. Um, so I'd love to see that happen again, but you know, who knows? She'll find somebody, right? Somebody wants that job. <laughs> oh, 100%. I mean, she's clearly one of the best players in the world. I'll take uh, that job. Grand Slam champion. Yeah, I would take that job. I mean, she's a phenomenal player. Um, but yeah, I mean, Darren was special. You know, they what they achieved together, you know, he act, he really brought hell up to new heights that she hadn't reached before. Obviously, winning a major, uh, becoming yeah. number one in the world, things like that. So that exactly. partnership really worked well. And, you know, Darren, I guess, wanted to take the time and, you know, spend some more time with his family and, and things like that. That's understandable. Of course, sure. you know, it's being a, a professional tennis coach, you're going to be traveling throughout the year and, you know, there's a lot on his plate. So I understand it. But for Halep, uh, hopefully she can find somebody to get her back on yeah, the right track. For sure. And it's an interesting question, too, because Osaka just, uh, you know, parted ways with her coach, which a lot of people were very shocked with given her recent success. Um, you know, she goes out today three and one, like we mentioned, I don't think we can necessarily attribute such a loss like, Oh, well you didn't have a coach. So that's why you lost three and one. But you know, it does beg the question when you start seeing results like this, you know, are these two things connected, you know? Um, and so, especially like after a match like this, you know, this is a time where you would want a coach to talk through that. Um, so very interesting and interesting to see Osaka going with getting rid of the coach that she had seen a lot of success with, but you know. She's young and she's going to have a bright future no matter what. So I'm sure she'll be able to find a coaching fit that's good and uh, get it rolling. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Well, as we move through the draw, like you said, Halep gets taken out. I'm sure she's kicking herself because this draw has opened up. Like we said, Osaka's gone. Serena, gone. Muguruza, who beat Serena after that uh, first set and then the retirement, still keeps rolling. Gets a three-set win over Burton's 5-7-6-1-6-4. Um, Andreescu also gets a win, defeats the seeded Wang, 7-5, 6-2. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, there are a couple matches still going on at the moment because we're recording at night. Kontovit and Pliskova have split sets, and Kerber-Savalenka also don't know the outcome of that one yet. But um, that Kontovit-Pliskova match looks like a great one, and so I'm, I'm uh, excited to see how that one turns out. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Pliskova is always a dangerous player. She's got the ability to hit anybody off the court when she's on. So, you know, if she finds a way through that match, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see her, you know, in the finals come Saturday or Sunday. Absolutely. Well, they are on serve in the third currently right now, so we'll have to follow that 
very closely. But, um, you know, as we wrap up here, I haven't even checked time. Hopefully we did well. You know, I always tell myself I'm going to do really well on time. Then we get talking and there's always just more to talk about than you think about initially, right? <laughs> always, man. I mean, we could talk for hours about this stuff. All right. Well, last thing before we go, since we are still on that Indian Wells theme, favorite match of tomorrow that you're going to be wanting to tune into? What's yours? Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of great matches tomorrow. It's the entire men's round of 16, right? So there's going to be yeah. a, a bunch of good matches. I'm going to go with John Isner against Karen Hatchinoff. Um, the 8 seed against the 12 seed. Big boy matchup. Uh, for me, I just want to see if Isner can keep rolling the way that he has. I mean, Hatchinoff yeah. is a tough customer, and, and he is unlike both of Isner's previous uh, opponents. So... That's going to be a good match. Uh, I think it has the ability to go the distance. I hope Isner can find a way through it to just keep an American in the draw. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if that one goes either way. So out of all the matches, I'll probably be keeping a close eye on that one. I was going to say, do you have do you have an immediate sort of, bam, this is my prediction for that match, or are you just going to be watching? I would go right now. I'm going to say Isner in three. Three pretty okay. tight sets. I mean, both these guys serve so well, right? Uh, you know, yeah. Isner's been able to get some breaks of serve in his first couple rounds, but but those those opponents have not possessed the weaponry that Karen Hatchinoff does. So I yeah. think John is in for a tough, tough battle. Um, but he is in great form. And the, the way that he's serving, I mean, I could see him edging out a couple breakers. Uh, so I'm going to go with John in three. That, that'd be my prediction. Well, fair enough. My match of the day for tomorrow, Isner Kachanov, that's going to be a great one. I'm certainly going to watch it. The one I'm really going to be keeping an eye on, though, is Edmund and then the winner of Wawrinka and Federer. And right now it's looking like Federer because he has just gone up a break in the second, serving 2-1, so he's up a set and a break. So it's looking like it's going to be Federer and Edmund. And for me, you know, obviously, you know, I'm going to want to watch either Federer or Wawrinka no matter what. But when you're playing a younger guy who's on a comeback right now, Edmund has looked very good after his comeback, um, and so I'm super excited for him. Just his forehand alone when they get into a ground stroke rally is enough for, to want, make me want to watch, and if he's going up against a Swiss great, then I'm certainly going to be tuning in. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I'll definitely be tuning into that one as well. Edmund's going to have to go big. I mean, uh, we're assuming that he's most likely going to play Federer, and he's really going to have to get aggressive. I mean, use his serve and forehand to his advantage because, you know, with the way Fed's been serving, you know, I in those return games, I feel like it's going to be tough. So he's really going to have yep. to work on just holding his own serve, protect his serve, and then be super aggressive off that forehand side and, and hope that he finds the court. I think you're right. Well, no matter what, it'll be fun to watch. And I'll try and watch as many as I possibly can, no matter what, anyway. Um, you know, Matt, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Uh, it's been great. I hope you enjoyed your time. hope it was better than Gruskin anyway, right? <laughs> oh, man, it's it's not hard to beat that. I mean, anything oh, well. anything's better than Gruskin. No, I mean, in all seriousness, Jamie, it's been great. Love talking to you about some tennis, um, you know, and looking forward to, to doing this again soon. That's awesome. Well, hey, that's all your Indian Wells action that you need to know for the moment. Be sure to tune into the Great Shot Podcast. Speaking of old Gruskin, he'll love this one. I believe he and Rothman are currently putting together an emergency pod on all the NCAA 
possible allegations and fractions, how they might have affected or been affected by different athletic programs. It's going to be an absolute doozy. We were explicitly told to not touch that, which is why we stayed safely in the Indian Wells realm. Um, I know, Matt, you and I talked about this separately. We certainly wanted to touch on it, but we're respectful of Rothman and Gruskin. So, yep, you know. A hundred percent. We'll respect their wishes. Yeah. Well, be sure to tune to that one. Matt, thanks again so much. I'll get you off here. I'm keeping you late, I know. So, last thing for our listeners, what do we say? That's a break. All right, thank you, and tune in tomorrow.